0: Welcome to the Rockonomics Podcast, episode number 50. I'm your host, Dill, and we are so fortunate to celebrate our 50th episode with a very special guest, Fred Armisen. Now, most of you know Fred from his decade on Saturday Night Live and his eight seasons as the mastermind behind the hipster send-up Portlandia, along with Kerry Brownstein. But for the Rockonomics Podcast, we pursued Fred to come on and talk about his salad days as the drummer for the post-hardcore Chicago-based band Trenchmouth in which he played, recorded, and toured with in the early to mid 90s. I sat down with Fred while on his Comedy for Musicians tour, which is a broader version of his hit Netflix special Comedy for Drummers, and our conversation about his life before the birth of Ferrisito, Spike, and Bryce went a little something like this. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. It's funny (laughs) you. You have so much content on the internet; it's insane. Oh, good! With with all that you do, you know, if if one was to, I'm lucky that I'm zeroing in on a on a segment of you because researching you is just you know there's 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 a lot out there, and that's a that's a compliment. Great, no, that's that's a complaint on you know my my part. But, anyways, I guess the best place to start, like I said, I I really want to get into the uh, the salad days of of trench trench mouth, but. What was your, I guess, you know, growing up, what was your intro to music? What was your first kind of...
1: I would say um, early 70s. um, I was a kid. um, And we lived in Brazil uh, for a few years in Rio de Janeiro in Leme. And my dad worked for IBM. So so my mom, you know, she comes from the 60s, went to college in the 60s. So... She introduced me to the Beatles that's like the first thing I must have been in second grade and she introduced me bought me a Beatles record in Brazil right it was like this is the Beatles and um, the label that they were on there was like I don't know, it was like Odeon or something it was like they had it wasn't the same kind of capital label that was uh, in the states mm-hmm. uh, and there was like this greatest hits album that they had it was in, uh, in Brazil and then from there it all got mixed up with Band on the Run and uh, oh, John Lennon's solo albums right. and stuff it was very like even the Ringo solo album Ringo right. so to me it was all the Beatles but I didn't the concept of them breaking up didn't exist. I was like yes yeah, the Beatles here's right. Ringo's album <laughs> and then that was mixed with a little bit of Brazilian music uh, samba music so where I was living, there would be uh, samba schools, not educational schools, but that's what they're called when there are parades for mm-hmm. carnival, for or can, can, carnaval. carnaval. <laughs> and um, so uh, I heard a lot of that, and it sounds like such a convenient thing, like Beatles mixed with Brazilian music. But that is what was around me. We were living in Brazil, and my parents listened to Brazilian music and um, and the Beatles, as well as some like sort of crooners and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that that's mm-hmm. what the music that was around. So then I from that. I heard, I remember the drum filled
0: to I Am the Walrus and thought like I want to play the drums. (laughs) And how soon did you, were you able to um, either take lessons or kind of engage with the drums?
1: As soon as uh, we got back to the United States. So we were there, I was in Brazil first, second, and third grade. And fourth grade I was back in Long Island in New York and right away I asked for drum lessons and my parents, you know, were like, sure. And I took some lessons in school and then some private lessons
0: too and was school like I I know in my marching in pads yeah so was was it that that slanted red pad Uh, it was wood 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 colored with the red uh, rubber on it yeah with the rubber on it (laughs) and then that same
1: book that everyone uses uh, stick controller um, syncopation and uh, but it was marching so like all the kids like some of them played I think we played tenor drums it was very like right a pacifier, Like, okay, kids, you can all, you know, I guess you all want to play drums, so we'll just hand you all of this. And then some private lessons. And then looking back, you know, I was so spoiled. Like, like as a teenager, I always thought, oh, my parents didn't support me. But, boy, they really paid for drum lessons and private lessons. and
0: Did you get a kit?
1: Yeah. I got, like, a used kit. I can't remember what it was, but they were very crappy kits, my first kits. And mismatched. Mismatched and yeah. sort of... Not even cool 60s, but like bad 60s, (laughs) you know, like um, old. I don't even think it was a legit Rogers kit. I think it was like a copy of something. So all, um, but that's, maybe that part's good. Maybe I'm glad about that, that my parents didn't
0: get me some brand new Ludwig kit. Right. That's kind of a nice thing. Well, I, I mean, I say this ad nauseum in this, in the, context of this podcast called rockonomics in my experience the same thing i like the drums but it's just like going to your parents at that age when you kind of go through fads very quickly yeah to say can i have t- even back then two three hundred dollars in the late 70s was a thousand dollars today oh you know, yeah they're going to be like no you know that's your first that's your first hurdle to do what you want to do musically Absolutely. So it's always funny to hear you know the yeah. mismatch sets and this and that so were you it, does it is it typical that it was um High school bands and this and that? Or when did you kind of envision? Um, So it was high school bands. Like, there's, you know, there's a marching band and stuff. But
1: my friends, I was lucky enough that they also played instruments. Uh, My friend Dave Jacobs played drums. My friend Ken Young played bass. So early on, we were, uh, Mike Evac played um, guitar. So we all started, I guess, jamming. But we liked weird stuff. So it was, like, always, like, kind of weird music. But really early on, we were, like,
0: trying to make stuff up. Mostly as, like, just being weird and goofing around. Right, right. At what point, or how old were you when you were thinking you wanted to make a go at it? Uh, In, like, um, I mean, I always wanted to
1: be a rock star. That was, like, the only thing I ever wanted. I always wanted to be, you know, around then I saw Devo on TV and I saw B-52s on TV and The Clash. And as these... Bands started to come out. I, that's all I wanted to be, and Talking Heads, especially. I was like, "That's I want to do that." So then, into high school, I wanted to be those bands, and The Clash, and The Police.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what did a, what did a rock star mean to you at that age? At or that did, was it age? all just the top line stuff of fame, fortune, no, no, adoration, no. women, or no, was it no? Artistic, it was or? it was um, albums. Being able to go into a studio and make an album. We cloud. made an album,
1: "Freedom okay. of Choice," um, "Remain in Light," um, "Outlandos D'Amor, you know, um, "Ghost in the Machine." It's like this is a product, right? Uh, even um, I would say "Scary Monsters." So the idea that you could be a person and put out this thing that has good artwork on it and good, you know, these crazy sounds. I desperately—that's what I all I wanted, and to this day, that's how I still think of everything. I right. think of everything that I do: stand-up, TV work. Everything is everything is ghost in the machine to me. Everything
0: is Zeynana Mandata and um, but how? So as as an entity, as an, entity, this, as an that entity that holds together, that can have packaging
1: to yes, you. and an aesthetic to it, and even the timing in between. What is it? Every year every other year for the, some band the, six the months sequence. <laughs> the sequence uh, this is what the photo is this time around this is what the theme is that has always
0: been you know the way that I've seen everything oh that's amazing that's great when does Trench Mouth come? much later much because later? Was, oh much later I was in
1: a hardcore band in Long Island my uh, last year in high school called the KGB okay with my friend Kenny and um, you know he introduced me to like hardcore punk. So I was into the stuff that like to him was like pretty normal and square and melodic. He was the one that was like, this is half Japanese. This is MDC. This is who's could this is dead Kennedy's. This is black flag. This is flipper. Mm -hmm. He was the one that was like, you know, he had let them eat jelly beans and that like, I know transformed his life and then it therefore transformed my life. So everything doubled in tempo that's when everything was super fast and um and super noisy he was a bass player and he really taught me also that like you know what American punk rock was so I was just so used to everything being from London with the Clash and the Sex Pistols that he was like there is plenty going on around here Minor Threat all all of those bands Bad Brains um so that's a long time of listening to that and, and being that being a part of my life. Trenchmouth right. wasn't until
0: later, uh, way after college, even. Okay. Uh, I, I thought it was. I thought it was. Um, okay. I thought you dropped. Did you end up dropping out of. Um, yes, but even then, it wasn't a quiet. It was w- Trenchmouth, yeah. Okay. Now, prior to Trenchmouth, did you have. Were you able to record anything? Were you recording demos? Were you doing. KGB has a
1: single out, yeah.
0: Was that a. Uh, your first time in the studio? Or was that a, you know, kind of a home 4 uh, Maybe thing,
1: the, f- no, no, first time in the But, you know, New, you know what New York is like. Mm-hmm. It, it, studio in quotes. It's right. like <laughs> rehearsal space with microphones. Yeah. That's all it is. Uh-huh. Do you have, was you, that know, a good do you exp- have this do you have this amount of money to pay uh,
0: for two hours? Yes, we do. And there's our cassette. hmm Was that a good experience for you the first time? Oh, yeah.
1: It's fantastic.
0: Did you play it with Click
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you ever had to play to a click yes okay I, again i i'm projecting because my first time with a click it was like a nightmare oh but... it's the worst <laughs> so let's uh let's move along so let's let's get to Trenchmouth. yeah you eventually that was born in chicago
1: yeah i jammed or... with damon and wayne in new york so we were kind of jamming but we weren't Trenchmouth yet we had a couple of different names, one of them being Shovel, and we kind of... But then Damon had to go to school in uh, Chicago, so we were, you know, at that age, was that, 24, 23, it's like, yeah, I'll move cities, great. And it was a good move to move to Chicago, because it's like, rehearsal spaces, the cost of living is cheaper. Right, New York right. New York, will kill you. Yeah. So Chicago is like, oh, I can actually live in an apartment, and um, we got right into it, and started playing and pretty soon like uh, we say we started 88 by 92 we were like recording
0: and like touring and okay stuff. so three or four years i was going to ask that was it hard to kind of break into a new scene
1: but no, I guess, no we found know, because we were friends with a lot of people from the dc scene so as we made the rounds around the country you know it, it grew out of chicago we'd go to indianapolis we'd go to beloit wisconsin We'd go to suburban Illinois and then we'd make friends with bands all the time. And it was kind of, it was really nice. Like, I, that's my fondest memory of it is like getting to meet all these bands.
0: Right. All, all around the country. When did you start touring? I understand, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like 89, you had an EP called Snakebite? Yeah, but we weren't quite on tour yet. That was like little local shows and
1: I can't remember. 91 maybe, 91 maybe something. 91
0: was construction of uh, yeah, so Yeah, so,
1: so 91, yeah.
0: And that's... uh is that safe to assume that's a completely DIY Oh yeah, get of a van. but in yeah. coming back to, you know, the economics of rock and roll, did you have a day job at the time? Oh yeah. Going to, you we know, all did. Yeah. Because it's like,
1: um, I mean, I couldn't see any other way. Other bands are more fortunate and they could make a living off of it. But I worked in a cafe and a restaurant and Wayne worked in a cafe and he worked in a sandwich place. Damon worked at a museum. Uh, we all were, uh, we all
0: had jobs. We we all worked and then like we would take the month off right. to go do a tour. Are you making money at shows, even a little money that you can bit. send sure. then, you know, buy the trailer for your tour or rent the van for it, your tour it, like we um
1: it would pay for gas, it would pay for like it wasn't bad. When you're that young you yeah. don't need much.
0: Right. Did it eventually become when you're that young you don't need much that you know, did you get in a pattern where I know at some point you were saying, you know, your contemporaries were passing you guys, and you guys were kind of. You know, this wasn't playing. quite yet. Trenchmouth is like, you know, eighty-eight
1: to. I mean, there was quite a few years where we were still, sort of, in my mind, doing not too bad. Like b- bands weren't passing us by yet. We're like, well, we're we're not doing great, mm-hmm. but this isn't bad. We'd play Sioux City. We'd play Minneapolis. A label in Minneapolis signed us so it didn't jump to um bands passing us by yet okay and in fact there were some bands that we would headline uh shows that we were friends of ours that we, we were doing okay especially the sort of minnesota midwest that was not not too bad first year it wasn't until 90
0: maybe 94 where i started to feel the sort of pressure of other bands okay Speaking of '94, so '93 you had Inside the Future, '94 you released an album. Was this one you got? Was East West Records? Yeah. Thing okay, I wasn't, I couldn't confirm that, but was that a big break at the time for you? Because they we were... thought everything was going to be a big break.
1: <laughs> everything. Oh, we're going to open for Fugazi. Oh my God, this is it. No, we're going to open for Jawbox. This is it. No. So uh, Living Color, Smashing Pumpkins, we play open for so many bands, we're like, this is when this is going to expand our, our you know, fans. And it kind of, it was okay, but it stayed, pretty much stayed the same. Um, so the East West was kind of like, yeah, it was another, like, it's funny because even our own label, Skeen, was like, because it's Skeen that got signed, not us. So they're the ones who were like. Oh, trying, they got a distribution Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we never had the drama of like we'll have to leave the label for a major label. It was like
0: everyone was getting signed, so right. the label got signed. Were they were they paying for um what is it? Skeen? Skeen, yeah. Sorry. Were they paying for your recordings? Yes. Okay. As as a label should. And recording was
1: like I did not like recording. Um uh, because I found it tedious and I don't have an ear for separation of tracks i don't have an ear for volume i don't have an ear for tempo i love music i love playing it there are things that i can do but i am not one of the people who can sit in a studio and mix right with good judgment all my chicago is a great place to be tortoise was there cn cake these are people who had their own recording studios steve albini was there so everyone was so good at it. Their ears are so trained, and they know what sound, the kind of drums to use. And I don't have the capacity for it. <laughs> I don't. Those. I don't have the capacity for that.
0: To discern what right. is good right in the mix. Are you um? Are you picky when it comes to drum tones and no. equipment and nope. okay, good. No, you're a big picture. Big picture guy. If anything, aesthetic. The
1: drums yeah. I have now, you know, I'm like, oh, they look great
0: yeah so it sounds like there's I mean there's good and bad there's it sounds like you're getting out there' you're, you're opening for a lot of people you respect mm-hmm. um I assume you know when you do talk aesthetic, are you playing some of these clubs you've always heard about and you get to you know get that. on stage there? I think that's an but, exciting but the, thing
1: but the fun thing is like there's also like all ages shows we would play in some warehouse, a bunch of kids come out and it was that was awesome it's a more
0: of an ad hoc thing and it's.
1: You know, it's a, that's cool. A lot, how a lot of punk bands toured. We toured with Nation of Ulysses, and we play these places where like all these kids would come out, and it was great. That scene was great, and and it was like so much energy, and it was really fun. So I love that. I All that stuff is great. We, there were some shows that were just absolutely nothing but fun.
0: Yeah, and is this a situation where in each city it's you're staying at somebody's house that you know? Always. All right. Right there's...
1: And now I can't do that anymore, but at the time we were fine with it. although we were a little snobby sometimes. so we'd show up at some places and be like, we're not staying here. <laughs>
0: um, and we'd go to a motel and the four of us would sleep in one room run room. Okay. So come 96 uh, broadcast system that's your last home yeah. together. yeah, that sounds
1: good right
0: yeah And then what was what was finally what what finally broke the band apart?
1: Um, I was very like. By this time, you know, it's one thing if Smashing Pumpkins and Liz Fair do are doing better than Trenchmouth or, or Veruca Salt because they're a different type of music. That's pop music. That's not wider what we'll audience. Do. You know, I, I it's understandable, but um, Jesus Lizard. All of a sudden, they're playing bigger places, and then and I love Jesus Lizard, and then Tortoise. So when Tortoise is like, they're really playing, doing the bigger tours and they don't even have vocals. I was like, this is some, this is not working. Right. I'm also by nature, I'm fickle, you know, so it could have just been my own dissatisfaction, but, um, we decided to break up. We're like, this is not, this is not elevating. We're getting nowhere. Right. Uh, and it's getting more and more sad. And some empty rooms so um, we just we did a European tour which I always wanted to do I went to Italy it was great and then um, we came back and we did a show at the Fireside Bowl and we op- and our last show was with Brainiac we opened for Brainiac which I'm really glad about
0: um, was it promoted as a last show so it is yeah a, it yeah it is an event
1: it is an event but also Brainiac was so huge um, That's that has a very bit, bittersweet memory because of of the singer for Brainiac and also because of the band, but uh, also because it's our last show. So, so that was it. And we're still friends, you know, I'm still friends with Damon and Wayne and, and, uh, and even though we broke up, it wasn't through because of fighting. Right. right, It wasn't like a fight. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so that was it. It was just a kind of decision of like, let's stop. And then right away I was, touring with some other bands, Those Bastard Souls, um, a couple other smaller bands here and there, not not much. And then I got a job with Blue Man Group playing the drums. Right. So that changed my life because before I was, you know, I had to have a lot of side jobs and scrounging around. But then with Blue Man Group, it was a paycheck for playing the drums.
0: Was that a t- tour, the touring Blue Man Group or was that right Chicago. in Chicago? Oh, that's great. Oh, perfect. Yes.
1: So... I had a paycheck all of a sudden for, like, playing the drums, which I'd never seen in my life. <laughs> and I remember thinking that it was, like, a million dollars because it was $100 a show. And to me, that was, like... And the Blue Man Group does, like, two shows a day, don't they? Or oh, on some days. And I wasn't the only drummer. Okay, it was, so It was, you're like, a f- full-time guy and then I was a part-time guy. Okay. But, say, I if, I if I played three shows that week, $300 a week was a fortune. Yeah, yeah. And in Chicago, it was especially a fortune... I did that for a couple of years and then started doing comedy and then comedy is where everything turned upside down where in a, in a good way where I just, that's all I was doing full time. Right. And then I moved to LA.
0: Did you, do you read music? Like was blue man group where no, you no, had to no. go in and be like, no, you know? no, no, no. Okay. It was all, it was memorized parts. Okay. I do want to get into your, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, something that did bridge the gap was your infamous South by Southwest, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> user's guide. Had you been South by Southwest before when you guys, you know, when you were in...
1: That's a good question. Trench Mouth. No. I mean,
0: were you exposed to it and then be like, what the hell no. is this- No. And I had
1: resentment because Trench Mouth is so uninvited to everything that right. when I finally did get to go I went with um, uh, John Lankford and Sally Timms. I, I played with Sally and played with in one of John's um, solo bands that I was uh, I, when I got the booklet of like, this is how you can make it events. in the music. Yeah. This is how you can make it in the music biz. Getting your song on the radio. Making a video. I was so resentful. I was like, this, this isn't the answer. Right. I, this isn't the answer at all. So I went with a video camera and Sally would film it and I, I would do these things that these, you know, and it really, that videotape, a friend of mine edited it and that's what changed everything. I showed that video at clubs, and that's what.
0: Right, I, I heard you say either in an interview or another podcast that it got more press than you ever got. With it, the but band. it's true;
1: <laughs> it's really true. Like the Chicago Reader had like an article about this videotape, so it was an immediate thing of like music not working out, comedy absolutely working out. Right, and and it and it hasn't stopped since. Like that that beginning, it's been gig after gig after gig, and, and I also want to point out that like. South by Southwest. The irony is I did have to go to South by Southwest to make it. <laughs> right. Right. So like I went in there with this attitude and it's like the lesson was, I was like, that's what it took. So
0: it's funny to see, to watch those videos. Cause I was curious that it like, what, you did have to have some knowledge going in and I guess your knowledge was real world knowledge. Number one, you know, yeah. dealing with what you dealt with with, you know, trench mouth after I guess six or seven years but just I guess I, I understand just reading the guidebook. But was it a, how long? How long is it like a week long? I know it's evolved from so much now. Yeah, it, I mean, well, I couldn't it's funny that him. you walk. You say you walked out with a comedy career. Yeah, it used to be so much about music. Now it's like music interaction, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. Do they have comedy now? I don't even know. Oh,
1: I don't know. I don't think but, so. But
0: well, they, yeah, they may it's a point. good organization, and I'm like, good for
1: them also that they're still going. You know, the Aspen. Comedy festivals and come and gone, and like there's so many yeah. festivals that have sort of don't even exist anymore. That that they survive is great.
0: <laughs> Did you have a lot that ended up on the cutting room floor, so to oh, speak? Yes. It's funny because I was, you know, obviously I reviewed it and it was, uh, it was just very funny. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I I can imagine. I know they've got so many, you know, seminars, and I think you probably touched, you know, a dozen of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got. To, I'm glad I got to do it. I mean. <laughs> it's just a different time now it's a different time of like even hidden cameras like it's people are hyper aware of them and this is pre-internet so I could never I probably could not have done it now the timing was just right for it and they were also nice enough like nobody kicked
0: me out yeah you know so did you come clean with most people after like Janine Garofalo yeah I did a lot of them also she she seemed to be she seemed to have been on to you but other people definitely were clueless some, some
1: people were like a little drunk, but some people, it's edited to look like people were clueless, but people kind of knew I was doing something. Mm-hmm. And the Steve Albini part in the beginning, right, right. Is, it's not at Southwest Southwest, but he knew me. Yeah, He's yeah. like, we'll
0: just do something. And okay. I, I just you could didn't... tell that at the end when you guys, I, I was, yeah, the yeah. whole time I was watching, I'm like, does he know? That's so funny. So not to skip over everything, but moving on to Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I think it's well documented, you know, your, your history there and, and how that came to be. Um. Given the context of music, what was what was the first guest? Who was the first musical guest of your first show? Bruce Springsteen. Was it really? But mm-hmm. and when did you start? 2002. Two thousand Okay. Matt Damon, Bruce Springsteen. Wow, what a big show! Yeah. <laughs> and the first thing I did was on the timbales. So
1: music was always like it was my audition, and then it was my first appearance on the show was
0: with timbales. That's funny. Yeah. And was um, was Sean Pelton the drummer the whole? Is, mm-hmm. Was he the drummer the whole time? Mm-hmm. I know you've been asked this 100 times but who are some of the you know who are some of the musical guests that you were psyched to see up close and personal? It's like for
1: different reasons it's different artists so like I was felt very for some reason emotional when Modest Mouse was on because I was like this is great. I'm here. This you know Modest Mouse who I love her here. What a great night, you know. <laughs> but that's like music that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with that kind of guitar playing and drumming. But then, when someone would show up who I don't know, I don't know their music, and I'd see their musicians. That's like another different. That's like a different thing where I was like, "This is why I'm here to be
0: exposed to all of this." Right. So there were a
1: lot of those. And I'm one, curious
0: on that if I can hold because my next question was, did anybody impress you that you weren't necessarily into well? The or one aware I, of at the, the, the one time? I wasn't
1: familiar with as far as like live performance was Beyonce, right? Huge star. We all, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. but she had this band with these two drummers, these two female drummers who were just brilliant. So the band was so great that you, you know, you, you usually just think of the one person, Beyonce, but I was like, look at
0: this band. So that's one of them that I was like, absolutely blown away by. Yeah. That's interesting to hear. Um, side question about your DVD, your mm-hmm. drum instruction DVD. It yeah. was I can't say the name. Is it? I want to say Jans. Jens? Jens, right. Hanneman? Yeah, yeah. Was that an actual physical DVD at the time? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I saw the videos online. Yeah, no, no. Heard... We have one. I mean, we sold them
1: sometimes for merch, but it's Drag City, I think, has them. And when when did you do that? Mm, two thousand. I can't remember. Is seven? So, okay, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, so maybe. Right. Something in there. Okay.
0: Because I look at that too as almost like a, a record deal. Like, who was that an idea you had to pitch and get funding for? No, or just no that no was way? Just a, it was in a, a group of guys, you know, a group no, of friends. It was an
1: obsession because I kept seeing all these DVDs of, of like drummers, and it's, it's its own style of music, right? It's like never like what they're playing is never anything you put on a record. It's like right. drumming for drummers. And the way that all these videos were alike was that they all would have close-ups of feet, close-ups of hands, close up Now I'm going to do it again, this time on the ride. <laughs> and it's 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 crazy that it's entertainment. Like, this is entertainment for someone, is watching someone do it. It's not unlike watching people on YouTube now, but um, I was just obsessed. And there's this one drummer named Marco Miniman who had this DVD out, and I was fascinated. I was like, so it's based on him. Okay. Um,
0: and that was easy. I just went to Drag City and was like, do you guys want to do a DVD <laughs> it's so funny I'd love, I'd love to get a hold of the, the actual uh, physical uh, physical um, it comes with disc. sheet music <laughs> Did now again to your to your aesthetic did you is there you know is there a, you know, there's sheet music is there pictures and what have you or to, well tonight at the merch table I have just the sheet music for
1: sale <laughs> okay. so there's a there's a joke to it that you'll see when you see the sheet okay.
0: music you'll see what I mean okay so segueing to comedy for drummers, how long have you had that brewing in your head to actually... It's,
1: it's like everything else that I've done. Because like South by Southwest, all of these things just come from like not knowing what else to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What, do I, what am go I going to do? Go back to what there? you know. I go back to what I know. Will It's, a, it's always a question of like, is this going to work? So stand-up for drummers is like, Netflix asked me to do a stand-up special. Great. I think I only have 15 minutes worth of stand up. However, if I ever do stand up about drummers and drumming, because I've done a few shows at drum shops where mm-hmm. I just like, I just want to do stand up only about. And as I do those, I feel there's more momentum and I'm like more passionate and I have more jokes. All of a sudden, there's 20 jokes. And mm-hmm. in, in just right, right away, because I know the audience, I'm like, everyone's going to get this and they're going to be psyched. The, the, let's talk about symbols. Let's talk about hardware, the vintage drums, uh, drum kits at weddings, drum kits in movies. <laughs> Easy. So then all of us. So I had that and then 15 minutes of regular stand up. And then somewhere I was asking around, I was just asking people what, what they thought I should do. And they were like, just try the drummer one. Maybe at least it'll have a point right. as opposed to I'm funny. Right. It's like a real. Point of like point of view, so um, that had to be pitched to um, Netflix, and they they went for it. They were like, "It's risky," because they know Netflix knows all the math. They know all the numbers. Of all how the people watch them. analytics and yeah metrics. And they told me as much too. They're like, "As long as you get that first minute, keep the, get that first minute to be um, captivating in some way." Right. That's what we're looking for. Get that beginning strong. So that's what I focused on the beginning. And then they were very like, they were supportive and they were like, their point was a little bit, which was a, I thought was a fair point. They're like, since everything I do is so weird, mm-hmm. maybe that's going to be expected anyway. So maybe this will work. And then we did it and then there it was. And um, it's like one of my, you know. Happiest times. I'm so
0: happy about it. I mean, it's funny, just, you know, when it first came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, I, I think you you really struck a chord. Obviously, you struck a chord with drummers, but musicians as a whole and artists as a whole. But it's yeah. just one of those things like, God damn, why didn't somebody think of this, you know, 10 years ago? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if my hope, you know, in a sort of utopian world, I hope people do do it. I hope there's a comedian who puts out a bass one, yeah, right. Or um, you know, or any specialty. If there's a car mechanic one, I mean, I'm up for watching any of those.
0: Now you're here tonight, and in the papers have it listed as comedy for musicians. Yeah, I now, open it up a little. Are, okay, so, so I do some conscious effort to kind of yeah, broaden the scope, more or, guitar stuff, and
1: just some newer drum stuff. So I, I, I am trying to open it up a little bit.
0: Okay, and are there fun parallels to you know um, you know I noticed that you got a big ass touring bus out front yeah. at yours yeah <laughs> um, set list you have you know your notes Not. do I mean, you have yes I have a
1: set list and um, we've been this we've been on this tour for a little while now so I don't need to refer to it as much but I do have like little set lists yeah okay And Pl- plural because I move around the stage so there's one by the drum kit there's one by the guitar amp and...
0: okay and those are just little reminders little to reminders, keep your, yeah. you know to keep yeah. the, the subject matter Um, has this opened a door for endorsements? Do you have drum? No, I wish. (laughs) Hopefully this podcast will get through
1: it. I gotta say, I say I wish, and then I kind of take it back a little bit in that, like, I like buying stuff. Right. So, my drum kit is by Q. I bought it. And there's, there's kind of a good feeling about it, of like, going out and choosing something and buying it. So, um... So I don't
0: mind. I noticed too. You also have the freedom. I think even in the special, you're not brand specific. Yeah, yeah. To one brand, so yeah. you would you, you you want the freedom not to have to lock into Drone Workshop or whoever. Yeah. It may be. But I mean, it, I I can understand it would be nice to get the the call, but <laughs> you can turn it yeah, down. You and know, say, yes, yes, and no.
1: Like, what's what is the real value of free stuff? You know, no matter how much you're making in your life. To, all of a sudden, there's this like extra drum. I mean, a drummer ha- already has a drum set. You have this extra drum set. Do you really need it? It kind of sits in the in the corner, right, right, right. It. Moving it all the time, kind of putting it in your car, kind of. So the, I think like I can't believe I'm saying this. I think free stuff is overrated. It is like this <laughs> new thing you're responsible for in your life,
0: right? But I think in your context, it's like you're just you're adding on what you already have, yeah. Versus you know the. Unless you're 14. The free sandwiches in the conference room. That's different. That's different. But like, never turn that shit down. No,
1: never. (laughs) Free cookies, great. But, um, for a 14 year old, please. Yeah. I I remember when I was in, in Trenchmouth, I remember not being able to afford like a cymbal stand. Yeah. A cymbal stand. I was like, I only have my old broken one and I put more tape on it. (laughs) I don't have whatever, however much it cost back then. I did not have
0: that money. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, how big is your crew you're traveling with? Merch, sound tech, tour manager is
1: the crew, three people. And then I have um, like a support comedian, uh, Mary Lynn Rice-Cup. and But she's not in the beginning. I put her in the middle of the
0: show. So it's more like a variety show. Right. It's your sound tech doing your, who's your roadie? that's the sound tech okay one last question before I'm gonna go into uh, lightning round of five sure any thought of getting trench mouth back together no knowing you're a celebrity and that you could probably do a tour or open for somebody no, 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 and have no, no. a little no because you know get what you deserved
1: no we didn't
0: <laughs> you deserve I mean I think you it's guys very put, kind you of guys you. put in the hours we put in, in the, the hours, sweat but
1: we didn't we didn't think about melody and you know, it was all so frenetic and so busy and like, it was just such frantic 24 year old music that number one, I cannot play like that anymore. Right. <laughs> that it's, it's so, it's, it's like so busy and constant that I could not physically, I just couldn't do it convincingly. And then that's not, uh, I, I'm paid to be a comedian now and I'm happy to be a comedian and talk about music. But, right. No one's yearning for like you know this other part of me. It's like it's all it's it's. I bring that to the stage, but that's like um had
0: we had zero hits. You know what I mean? Like right, it was right, right. like so we're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, last five questions, all my guests get. Okay. Um, a little bit frivolous, but regardless, question number one is uh, your home is on fire everyone is out safe What you run back and get that's music oriented music memento an instrument uh tchotchke very
1: easy my fano guitar so the guitar I have on stage with me on tour I love that guitar um it's like the right weight and the right size and it's like the perfect color I would just grab that also easy to grab
0: right have you had it long yeah maybe I might be going on 8 years now or something okay. Very good. Question number two is if I were at liberty to give you a check for a million dollars for you to give to one charity, which one charity would you give it to? That's a really good question. I can only have one answer? Yeah. I think I would go Planned Parenthood. Very good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that... Especially this week.
1: This week and um, I think also as an organization, I just feel like they really, they're like this ship, like an icebreaker, just dead. Going and going and going. They never it's never like, well, we're gonna dismantle this thing. We, we can't Yeah. They're like
0: we're we're going. We're going, you know, as much as we can. So I think that's where we'd go. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, question three is what would your walk up music be to the pearly Gates? Oh that's so easy. Sibyl's Reverie
1: by Stereolab. Okay, I don't know that. It's a beautiful song. It's so beautiful.
0: But I asked that question. And yeah. Sybil's look- with, with a C. Looking it up a lot. Oh, you. you
1: <laughs> if you put it on, it's a Stereolab song. Sybil's Reverie with a C- C- y, I think. Um, if you put it on, the first notes you hear, you're going to go, "Oh, that's why. That's why I picked
0: it." Okay. The flip side of that is what's stuck on repeat in hell.
1: Oh, this is so good.
0: Oh man, I would say. Um,
1: I'm going to say something really... Un- I, actually, I'm going to go super uncool. I'm going to say classical music. I can't... I can't... Can't grasp it. I can't grasp it.
0: Yeah.
1: My brain... I I, I pretend to go, oh, this is very moving. But as a drummer, there's no time signature. <laughs> there is no time right. signature. Not even odd time signature. It's always like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just disappears into the, these measures. And I think I don't like the tradition of it even. I'm like... Something about even the tradition that uh, I don't understand who I'm even supposed to like, the conductor. <laughs> uh, you know yeah, who do you who do, who, you, who do, you, they do you idolize? S- they had so they had so little regard for percussion. A few cymbal crashes, some timpani. It's unacceptable to me that they couldn't find the time to like have a steady beat all the way through. I don't care what timing they're at, because in my defense. Uh, South America, Cuba,
0: Africa, they ha- and the Middle East had plenty of drums going. In- and they say, drums are such a primitive instrument. How do you leave it out anywhere in history? How do you leave it out? I'm like, you
1: guys in Austria could not <laughs> find a snare drum to go, you know. Even if it's a waltz, I would like boom-ka-ka, boom-ka-ka, boom ka So classical music.
0: Okay. Uh, last question, which I'm interested to hear, um, given you're privy to so many artists but it's simply what's the best concert slash live music experience you witnessed it's such an easy easy
1: answer i saw um Kraftwerk in one of their reunion tours but one of their later reunion tours which was like i want to say 90 98 or so in chicago maybe 97 played chicago on this tour i've seen them since then they're always great right. but they had more original members and it's the best thing I've ever seen best thing I've heard that music translates so well to live it's so crisp. I remember the announcement before they go on is like the slow motion like go <laughs> very slow and they and they come out and for their encore it's robots of them they leave the stage nice curtains open back up and it's robots of them playing a song. So the feeling of a crowd cheering robots is the best feeling, because everyone knows they're not. No one's fooled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's everyone like, just cheering, and it's fully robots on stage. It's that's what I would want as a child. That's what I wanted my adulthood to look like:
0: right. cheering robots. Have you ever seen that? Do they have anything on YouTube? Do they have the complete concert from oh, 1997? There's okay. tons, and there's tons from other years and stuff. And
1: they've done um, 3D um, concerts, like in different museums and stuff. I've seen them a bunch, but that for some reason was the one that like it was early in the, when they were like reuniting. So I think they were like a, I don't know something about it was like a little rougher, which I liked. Yeah. But um, but it, since it's a quick round of questions, I'll leave it at that. But as an addendum, I'll just say, as an aside, I've seen some great shows: with Talking Heads, Clash, Paul McCartney. Devo, plenty of great bands, but
0: I'll but I'll that's an I'll, I'll leave that out. Not to prolong I'll, I'll let you know your time is precious. But since you you you're privy to see people, you know, rehearsing and stuff like that. Have you ever had just a, a moment where someone was noodling with something or trying something or just a, a not not necessarily a private moment, but oh, they didn't do it on the show. They didn't do it, but they oh uh, you know, tons, you know. not tons, not tons, but a few that were
1: incredibly meaningful to me so i i became friendly with uh, wendy and lisa who were in prince's band and it was friendly enough that during one of their sound checks i was just like wendy had this white guitar and i was i just as a child i mean just the kid in me was just like will you or the teenager in me i was like will you play mountains picks up the guitar she said, i wrote i wrote mountains on this guitar oh and then she just did it gang 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 Wendy was playing <laughs> mountains for me. I really could have died. Yeah. I really could have fallen over backwards and just just died. And then I got to play with Devo. I got to play drums with Devo for one show, for an entire show. Yes, in uh-huh. Berkeley. It was in 2018. And watching those guys, you know, watching Bob plug in his guitar and kind of, you know, kind of try to remember a song. <laughs> same thing.
0: That's awesome. Same thing. Could that's have just, very cool. You know,
1: I, I really could have been just sort of just frozen in time right there. <laughs> but I, was, I wasn't bragging about playing with Devo. I'm just... No,
0: not at all. I I'm mean, just
1: saying that, like, that was... Be, that's the reason we were in a rehearsal space together.
0: If I had an hour, I would that would I would I go there. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah, for sure. yeah. Uh, Fred, thank you for your time. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. That was a great.
1: It. What a great podcast. What a great... I'm not saying what a great interview, like, how great am I? I mean, like, you did a great job. Thanks very
0: much. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. All right. What a pleasure it was to pick the brain of Fred Armisen. Huge thank you to Fred for doing the show. The second leg of his Comedy for Musicians tour picks up again in May, so do yourself a favor and see it if you can. You can find the dates posted on his website at fredarmisen.com along with some other great content like Fred Armisen's Guide to Music and South by Southwest, 1998, which you just heard us touch upon. As for the podcast, if you're new to the show, you can follow us for news and updates on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you like this episode with Fred Armisen, then please spread the word, or better yet, head to iTunes and leave us a rating and a comment. We'll be back next Tuesday, starting our March Towards 100 episodes with a well-known drummer who's also made a name for himself as a sought-after motivational speaker. So come back and join us for that. Okay, episode 50 is declared no mas. Good night, Cleveland.